What a great topic, 2020, what next, the Bible's answer. I want to start off with a question, and I want you to, to just ease yourself into what I'm going to say, because it'll put us all at ease, and it might just lay a good preface about the rest of the evening. So I want to ask you this. If you were to tell all of your work uh, accomplices, uh, your work buddies, your friends, or those that you associate perhaps at school, uh, and you were to go up to them and say, hey, guess what? 2021 may well see the return to this planet of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been promised in the Bible to return to this earth, 2021, we might see him actually return and fix up the entire mess that we've got ourselves into on this planet and he's going to set up a kingdom, his father's kingdom on this earth and life from then on in is going to be nothing short than magnificent. What would you expect your, your friends at work, your buddies at work, your friends at school to say if you went there and told them that tomorrow? They're going to go, yeah, right. Yeah, as if. No, no way in the world. You're crazy. You know, you could imagine them saying that if they've especially got no understanding or belief in this book. That would be probably something you would expect. Let's just roll back the clock to a year ago. Let's go back to December 2019. What if you went to all your buddies last year, 2019, all your friends, all your work associates, and you went up to them in December 2019 and said, guess what, 2020, this world is going into complete lockdown. We're not going to be able to travel. We're not going to even be able to travel interstate. Borders are going to be closed. We're going to be all housed up. The whole world is going to do this and we're not even allowed outside unless we've got masks on. What are they going to say to you? What would have they said to you? They would have said, yeah, right, as if. You're crazy. And 2020 has turned out to be exactly that. And 2021 may well be another year that this planet has been waiting for, that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what's happened this year in 2020 is part of the prophetical outlook that this Bible paints for us as a precursor to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What has happened this year in this world and in the lead up to this, this year and many other prophecies that are going on around this world and have been for a number of years are all telltale signs that the greatest event that this world is going to experience is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. And just like if we'd have said something, you know, quite outrageous in December 2019 of what the conditions of the world would be like in 2020, people might laugh at us and say, no way in the world. Well, no one's going to be laughing when suddenly... This world is shaken to its foundations and the greatest man that ever walked this planet finally returns to this earth and starts to set up his father's kingdom and at the same time fixes up the terrible mess we're in. So what do we know about 2020? I don't want to spend all night on 2020, that's for sure. 
Um, but I do have a little video clip I want to play for you that probably summarises it in a couple of minutes of what we've seen during 2020, and we will then make a few comments about it. So sit back, relax, and just enjoy a couple of minutes of this video. you know, that's a, it's a bit of a dramatic video, I know. Uh, it's possibly a sad way to start a, uh, a Bible presentation. But in reality, that's the world in which we live. And uh, even though that didn't quite start on time, nevertheless, we at least got to see it. And I'm glad we did, because Jackson helped me set this up, uh, that video clip. So thank you for that, Jackson. But I think it really does tell us and shows us very, very clearly the world's in a mess. We, we are in need of some amazing repair work that has to be done if we are to survive as a human race and if we are more than just survive, if we want to become a happy human race on this earth. Because I don't think anyone's really that happy in the world. I don't think there's anyone really been terribly happy for a long time in this world. It's a very fearful world in which we live. So while we might have started this uh, video clip uh, or started this uh, presentation with such a video clip, um, we're going to end with a much more positive one. Fingers crossed if it works. We'll see how we go. Let's just talk a little bit about uh, 2024, a moment or two. Um, it has been an extraordinary year. Um, it's been an amazing year to say the least and we want to know what is going to happen next. What does the Bible tell us is going to happen next? Well, let's just traverse a little bit into the final picture of what this Bible paints for us as being what this world is going to end up like. It is not 
going to be destroyed. All right? This world will never be destroyed. God never intended anybody on this planet to lose the habitation in which they were born. This planet is here to stay. But it is going to change dramatically as to how it is being governed. And this is the end result. This is what God says is going to happen. He says, Truly I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And we're sort of showing it up there on the screen as a, as a jigsaw puzzle, if you like. And, and all throughout time, since the creation of man, way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, all throughout time, God has been working to bring about his plan and purpose, putting in little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, slowly but surely, ready to form the great picture, the best picture ever of a fantastic future that is in line with this world. And while there is like a, a massive jigsaw puzzle, if you like, that God is, is putting together to, to give us this final beautiful picture, there's another jigsaw being put together called Bible prophecy. And it's all made of little bits and pieces fitting in place throughout time. And it's, we can say as Bible students, Christadelphian Bible students, we can say very clearly that the last few pieces are being put into position. So, for example... Uh, we, can, we can say there's prophecies, for example, about Israel. Uh, there's prophecies in the Bible that told us that, that the United Kingdom would get out of the EU, the, the European Union, that Brexit would take place. There, there's prophecies about Europe. There's prophecies about tr Russia. We're going to see some remarkable things about Donald Trump from the Bible. No, he's not mentioned by name, but he certainly has been put into position by God for a specific reason. His time is probably up. And the last few pieces that we've seen this year going into position, the coronavirus, and without doubt, the world debt. You're going to be absolutely flabbergasted at where we are currently at with what this world owes to each other. They know it anywhere else, they all owe it to each other, and you're going to see what can happen when countries default on loans and where that leads to. But in our reading tonight, we had Luke 21. And in that reading, in Luke chapter 21, the Lord Jesus Christ made a very valid statement concerning the last days in which we live. He said, There will be signs in the political and religious powers and people will show great distress with inescapable problems, and the nations will be like the stormy seas. Now, there's a pretty good rendition on the screen there if you watched it, those massive waves smashing into that lighthouse. It's unbelievable. And, of course, if you look at all the problems that the world is being, is being you know, faced with day by day, you know, whether it's natural disasters, whether it's the coronavirus, the refugee crisis, the violence, the racism, the hunger, the wars, the world debt, the civil unrest, all of these things come crashing in on mankind. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, there'll be no escape. Nobody will have the answers to these problems. Who does have the capacity to resolve the world issues and the problems? They've just had a G20 summit. Hopeless. 
Couldn't even get together to have it because of the coronavirus. It's not going to achieve anything. Daniel says in the Old Testament, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth, he said, there will be a time of trouble such as never was, such as never has been in the history of mankind. And of course, we know that the issues facing mankind, whether it be war, whether it be diseases, whether it be terrorism, civil unrest, climate change, financial issues, hunger. We've had a lot of these problems in the past, haven't we? I, I remember growing up as a teenager and there was hunger and famine. I remember, um, you know, there was some wars going on, the Vietnam War. I can remember all of those things. So what's different about today? So many things are happening at once now. They're all collectively colliding together and being hurled at mankind and mankind standing back going, I've got no idea how to solve these problems. I do not know what to do. It's a time of trouble such as never was, never has been, and it's probably going to get worse. We may have just seen the tip of the iceberg in 2020. 2020 has been an exceptional year, something I've never ever thought I'd ever see. You would be the same. I don't care who's out there watching right now. We're never going to forget 2020. What's 2021 got in store for us? So whether you're in Australia or Germany, Africa, South America, Russia, there's been civil unrest. There's been all sorts of issues. Look at what happened in Melbourne and Sydney, particularly in Melbourne, of course, when they decided to lock everything down. People couldn't cope. We hardly cope for two days, three days out of six crazy you know we all thought oh, can't breathe it's just terrible imagine all those people over in the united kingdom at the moment they're about to go into major lockdown 65 million people in the size of victoria not allowed out of their homes and out of their little units and and mums and dads with three or four kids stuck in a high-rise flat in a unit for weeks on end might not even be released by christmas time how do you think they feel this is, a, this is a time of trouble such as never was. And again, it doesn't matter where you go, whether you go to Hong Kong, USA especially, Israel, Britain, you know, France, everywhere you look, particularly in the Western world, and not just the Western world, even in some of those third-rate countries, they are experiencing a time of trouble that they've never experienced before. It's been phenomenal, to say the least. It's been heartbreaking. It's been distressing. It's been a time when we can truly say, as the Lord Jesus Christ said there in Luke chapter 21, it is a time when nations and peoples and leaders and governments will say to themselves, we don't know what to do. We can't find an answer. Scrambling like crazy to get a, a vaccine that they really don't know if it's going to be 100% foolproof. And so coronavirus outbreak earlier this year, who would have ever thought that a minute little bacterial bug in our system that can bring this world to its knees and that the Lord Jesus Christ again said this in Luke chapter 21, previous verses to what we read in verse 10, events just prior to his return. Here's what he said. There will be great earthquakes and famines in many lands and epidemics 
and terrifying things happening on this planet. Now, what's the earthquakes? Well, you know what? 400% increase in magnitude 6 earthquakes and greater when you compare the start of the 20th century to the 21st century. There has been a dramatic increase in earthquakes. Famines, I don't need to talk to you about that. We all know about those sad, horrible pictures of starving children over there in Africa and their parents can't feed them and it's not just Africa now, it's starting to spill over into the Middle East. The epicentre of famines today is Yemen. Yemen is the epicentre of the terrible, horrible famines that are plaguing those families over there because of war. It could have been prevented. A child dies every three seconds from hunger that could be prevented. Every three seconds someone dies. And as for epidemics, as for different types of diseases, as they're also called in the Bible, can't get much different and, and completely powerful as the current coronavirus that's just spread its tentacles throughout this world and has brought this world to its knees. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will come after these things are taking place. Well, they're taking place, all right. And it might even continue to spill over into next year. We're probably not going to see the end of it. I don't know about this vaccine. I think we're all hoping this vaccine works. We don't know. But if it does, something else will crop up. Some other major calamity is going to affect this earth. And mankind will just be reeling from one disaster to another and they're putting their hands up going, what is happening to this planet? How do we solve the problems? And what has the coronavirus done to our economy? Now, I don't expect some of you young ones to know what GDP means, gross domestic product. It's basically what a country is worth, all right? It's the goods and services of a country, and that's put into a dollar value, and so each country has a certain value. Well, that's what's happened since coronavirus of the, the values of the countries around this globe, including Australia. Every country's GDP has fallen dramatically. And when countries' value goes down, the debts go up. The frustration builds. The potential of falling out with other countries exponentially increases. World War II was a classic case of this. All right? You need to understand this. This is very, very real. This is very true. Prior to World War II, the GDP of countries was decimated. It went into a free fall, a Great Depression, which led into the Great War. So here's the problem we're faced with when it comes to the current world debt. The current world debt is at 255 trillion dollars. Can you get your head, can anyone get their head around that? 255 trillion dollars is the current world debt. If you could spend $10,000 per second. 
So if I had $10,000 here and I came over to the first person in the row, happens to be Jimmy, and said, here's $10,000, and then one second later gave Abby $10,000. I got a big smile on their face, I can tell you. And I went along each row, and every second, I'd have to walk pretty fast, handed out $10,000 to everybody here and got to that row of my grandchildren, $10,000. Yes, their hand would be out very quickly. $10,000, $10,000. Every second, I'm giving out $10,000 to catch up to $255 trillion, I'd have to be doing that every second for 800 years. That's the current world debt that we are in. It's owed money. And when you don't pay people what you owe, people get frustrated. And the global debt bubble is now ready to burst. That's the economic reality. It cannot continue. It cannot be sustained. Something must give. And then that starts the domino effect. Have a look at what some people are actually saying concerning this unprecedented global debt. You know, this is not my words. You're going to see words in a minute of a a very well-respected uh, newspaper, uh, and they're all saying, what next? They're saying this, this world is in absolute chaos, and the coronavirus has really greatly contributed. It was already in a lot of debt, but nowhere near like it is now. The coronavirus has certainly brought us to a certain level, far greater than we could ever e- even begin to imagine. And this is what this paper that's called the Interpress Service, this is a, a 50-year-old news service that is, is absolutely rated as one of the best news services in the world. And they have said this, that the economic crisis that we are currently in can trigger a world war. I'll just show you those words that they actually say on the screen here. It says this, More worryingly, in the current political landscape, and a prolonged economic crisis could easily spin out of control and morph into military conflict and worse, a world war. That's what the current analysts are saying could happen within a short period of time. Very much thanks to the coronavirus. So it's not just affecting the fact that, you know, we might get a few days off school or we get locked down in our house or, you know, we, we, we might uh, uh, find it's a little bit discomfort to put a mask on. They're all peripheral little things that happen with the coronavirus. The big picture is this world is getting further into debt because GDP is going down, world debt levels are going up. This country has borrowed billions and billions of dollars to keep the economy going, to keep people in a job, the paid job keeper. We're fortunate enough in this country to be able to do that. Many other countries can't do that. India certainly can't do it. It's just the whole place is just starting to disintegrate. And of course, coronavirus is bringing, has already brought this world to its knees. Interesting thing is, The second wave is beginning and they're saying it's probably going to be deadlier than the first. It's cost the economy to date an estimated $35 trillion and counting. How they ever put a dollar figure on it, I don't know. They probably pluck it out of the air, but it's probably a lot more than that. Who has the answer to these problems? Who's going to fix the world debt up? Who is going to fix up the problem with the coronavirus? Who is going to fix up the problem with the infrastructure of mankind imploding on itself because 
there's no money to keep it going. Who is going to fix it up? Well, it's not Donald Trump, because he's only got a few weeks left in the White House. He thought he was going to be the, the knight in shining armour that was going to ride out and give everyone a vaccine and hail him as some great hero of the world. Well, it's not going to be him. It's certainly not going to be his successor, Joe Biden, and it's not going to be some of these other leaders, which we'll put up on the screen in a moment. The world, as Donald Trump did say, is in a mess. It is a disaster. And I want to talk to you about what also has happened. Bring it down to a more personal level, more family level, of what else has occurred due to particularly the coronavirus and the lockdown and how it's affected particularly the Western world during 2020. I'll put this slide on the screen. You can all see what's going on there, can't you? Here's a family. And 2020 has defined us as a society. These aren't my words. These are the words of the experts. Have defined us as a society that have become totally addicted to social media. I reckon we were probably addicted prior to that, but I tell you what, 2020 has cemented our feet firmly into the concrete snares and shoes and boots with all the straps done up very tight of being addicted to modern technology, but particularly social media. And the psych psychology of what that has occurred and affected and how that has affected us is actually quite extraordinary, particularly our younger generation. Now, this is not a go at the younger generation because I'll tell you what, I would have been a bit lost without WhatsApp during 2020. I, I enjoyed keeping in contact with other people. The very fact we're standing here in technology, and this is being beamed to people that could easily tune in from around the world, is modern technology. We're all, we're all connected to modern technology, but unfortunately 2020 has seriously, very seriously aggravated our addiction to that type of medium. Every minute of the day, this is a chart that what goes on every minute of the day during 2020. And because we've been in this lockdown mentality, we have relied more and more and more on our phones. So I don't know if you can see, probably can't see a lot of that back there, Susie, I guess. It's a little bit small, but for example, WhatsApp, 41 million WhatsApps being sent every minute of the day during 2020. This is an increase... They, they are saying of at least 80% on 2019 because we've all jumped onto our social media. We need to keep in contact with everyone. We all like sending out, hey, how are you? Everything's going good. Great, fantastic. And, and this is what social media does. It's insidious and it controls our life to the point where the actual interaction with each other is not there. Probably, sometimes, it can't be because we're locked down and we can't do it. But we're being caught up in this world. Netflix, 404,000 hours of Netflix every minute is being watched around the world. Uh, Spotify, the songs, Amazon, 6,659 packages are going out the door every 60 seconds. <laughs> because we're all jumped online to buy things. We've become such a materialistic age that this is what the Western world is doing. And... 2020 has been exasperated because of the lockdown. So we are, unfortunately, our lives have been totally imprisoned by modern technology, especially social media. Now, you might say, well, that's not a real big problem, isn't it? Isn't it? 
How's that going to affect us as we move forward? Are we going to be robots to our, you know, our, our social media? Are we going to be staring at our social media such to the point where we become like robots and we can't interact normally with people and sit down and talk and chat? Instead, we're looking down at our phones. That's what I think we need to be very careful of because that's the direction we're heading into and 2020 has caused that to occur. Now, I don't know if this video clip's going to work or not, so I'm going to get ready for my guru to come back out there and see if he can get it going, but let's give it a shot. This little video clip has runs for about three, three or four minutes and it's of a gentleman that put together a, quite a, a nice piece, some of you may have seen it, about modern technology, in particular social media, media and particularly our phones and how they have become too much of a big part of our life. Let's see if this works. <clears throat> I have 422 friends, yet I'm lonely. I speak to all of them every day, yet none of them really know me. The problem I have sits in the spaces between looking into their eyes or at a name on a screen. I took a step back and opened my eyes. I looked around and realised that this media we call social is anything but when we open our computers and it's our doors we shut. All this technology we have, it's just an illusion. Community, companionship, a sense of inclusion. Yet when you step away from this device of delusion, you awaken to see a world of confusion, a world of self-interest, self-image, self-promotion, where we all share our best bits but leave out the emotion. We're at our most happy with an experience we share, but is it the same if no one is there? Be there for your friends and they'll be there too, but no one will be if a group message will do. We edit and exaggerate, crave adulation. We pretend not to notice the social isolation. We put our words into order until our lives are glistening. We don't even know if anyone is listening. Being alone isn't a problem. Let me just emphasize, if you read a book, paint a picture, or do some exercise, you're being productive and present, not reserved and recluse. You're being awake and attentive and putting your time to good use. So when you're in public and you start to feel alone, put your hands behind your head, step away from the phone. You don't need to stare at your menu or at your contact list. Just talk to one another, learn to coexist. I can't stand to hear the silence of a busy commuter train where no one wants to talk through the fear of looking insane. We're becoming unsocial. It no longer satisfies to engage with one another and look into someone's eyes. We're surrounded by children who, since they were born, have watched us living like robots and think it's the norm. It's not very likely you'll make world's greatest dad if you can't entertain a child without using an iPad. When I was a child, I'd never be home. Be out with my friends on our bikes, we'd roam. I'd wear holes in my trainers and graze up my knees. We'd build our own clubhouse high up in the trees. Now the park's so quiet, it gives me a chill. See no children outside and the swings hanging still. There's no skipping, no hopscotch, no church and no steeple. We're a generation of idiots, smartphones and dumb people. So look up from your phone, shut down the display. Take in your surroundings, make the most of today. Just one real connection is all it can take to show you the difference that being there can make. Be there in the moment that she gives you the look that you remember forever as when love overtook. The time she first holds your hand or first kiss your lips. The time you first disagree but still love her to bits. The time you don't have to tell hundreds of what you've just done because you want to share this moment with just this one. The time you sell your computer so you can buy a ring for the girl of your dreams who is now the real thing. The time you want to start a family 
and the moment when you first hold your little girl and get to fall in love again. The time she keeps you up at night and all you want is rest and the time you wipe away the tears as your baby flees the nest. The time your baby girl returns with a boy for you to hold and the time he calls you granddad and makes you feel real old. The time you take in all you've made just by giving life attention and how you're glad you didn't waste it by looking down at some invention. The time you hold your wife's hand, sit down beside her bed. You tell her that you love her, lay a kiss upon her head. She then whispers to you quietly as her heart gives a final beat that she's lucky she got stopped by that lost boy in the street. But none of these times ever happened. You never had any of this. When you're too busy looking down, you don't see the chances you miss. So look up from your phone, shut down those displays. We have a finite existence, a set number of days. Don't waste your life getting caught in the net, as when the end comes, nothing's worse than regret. I'm guilty too of being part of this machine, this digital world we are heard but not seen, where we type as we talk and we read as we chat, where we spend hours together without making eye contact. So don't give in to a life where you follow the hype, give people your love, don't give them your like. Disconnect from the need to be heard and defined, go out into the world, leave distractions behind. Look up from your phone, shut down that display. Stop watching this video, live life the real way. It's pretty powerful stuff when you think about it, but that's the world in which we live. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone's going to throw their phones away. All I'm suggesting is 2020 has been a year where 80% of the world has become far more dependent on mobile phones and tablets and computers and texts and messages and everything else that goes with it that really has put us in a very difficult predicament. And I don't want to be a part of the world where we are going to grow up as robots and we're not going to have the interaction that we should have. Well, we can go on, of course, and talk about other events that have occurred in this world. And look at this man up here, <laughs> Donald Trump. He just doesn't want to give up, does he? Don't ever give up, he says. Well, he, he tweeted today. And if anyone knows anything about social media, this man does because he's the greatest Twitter of all time as far as a president is concerned. The amount of tweets that he sends out on a daily manner is absolutely incredible. He is the greatest Twitter ever. Some would say drop the last three letters off of that word and you might have what he is. Regardless of what you think of the man, he was chosen for a purpose to be in the position that he got. And this is the reason why, and this is why we place so much emphasis on Bible prophecy. Because God said, I will set up the basest of men. I will put them in power to fulfil my plans. That's what he says in Daniel 4 verse 17. And you couldn't get much more of a baser man than that man there, Donald Trump. But what did he achieve that was significant as far as this book is concerned? What was it, the reason why God put him in power? What did he see in this man, even though he was a very base man, a very corrupt character and, and reputedly quite an immoral character? Why would you put someone like that into power 
when you know what sort of man he is? Well, the reason is because God knew that he had characteristics like no other president that would bring about some of the plans that God had in mind, some of those jigsaw pieces that he was putting into position, some of those areas of prophecy that needed to happen. And here they are. Have a look at it. Have a look at what the Bible said must happen prior to Christ's return. And you tell me whether Donald Trump didn't help this happen. Unwittingly, he knows nothing about this book, regardless of what he tells you. He went to have his photo taken and he held it upside down. He had to look at it and go, oh, that's the way it goes. He had no idea about the book. He was interviewed by a journalist who said, you love the Bible, don't you? Yes, I love the Bible. Can you please give me your favourite chapter, favourite book? Oh, no, I'd rather not. Why not? Oh, I love all the Bible. Have you got a favourite verse? Uh, no, they're all lovely verses to me. He had no idea about this book. This book meant nothing to him. So when we say he actually fulfilled Bible prophecy, he didn't do it wittingly. God put him into that place, into that power, into that position, into that situation that he might change history, and he did. In the last four years, look at what he has achieved. He has put a division between Europe and Russia in one entity and the USA and UK. How did he do that? Well, the first thing he did, the day after he was sworn in as president, he dismantled the Iranian deal, the Iran deal that was put in by Barack Obama. And what did that do? It upset Europe dramatically. It upset Russia dramatically. And he encouraged at the same time for the UK to get out of the EU, to move with the Brexit. Forge closer trade links with the USA. Europe was furious with him for doing that. So he's driven a wedge between Europe and Russia, who were really enemies prior to all of this, but now they're forming quite a close, cosy little alliance, and the USA and UK. The Bible in Ezekiel 38 says that must happen prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What else did he do? He placed Jerusalem at the centre of a political storm. Zechariah 12 verse 3 says, Jerusalem, prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, must become a difficult city to control, a burdensome stone for everybody to try and work out what to do with that city. Does it belong to the Arabs? Does it belong to the Palestinians? Does it belong to the Jews? Whose city is it? Well, this man here said, I believe it's Israel's city because I'm going to move my embassy from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. And that's an acknowledgement that he believes Jerusalem is the eternal capital of, for the Jews. You know, by the way, whose city it really is? It's God's city. It is God's city. And yes, he has given it to the Jews as their capital city. But it's his city. But this man here, he, he unwittingly fulfilled Bible prophecy. It had to happen. What about this one? This only happened really within the last probably six months. He helped develop significant peace deals with Israel and her surrounding nations that hated Israel. These Arab nations are suddenly signing peace deals with Israel. The New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5 and the first three verses says, Prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ... Israel would be crying out, hey, we're enjoying peace and safety with our neighbours. How fantastic is that? This man caused it. No other president before him could do anything. They all tried. They couldn't get it through. He did. He did. So regardless of what you might think of the man, he has been put into that position by God Almighty himself to ensure that the Bible is vindicated with prophecy. Not that that makes him a good man at all. 
Plenty of bad people have been put into power that have done God's will as far as fulfilling prophecies are concerned only to be discarded and put away. And we could go on. This one here we'll leave you with. He's placed this world into a state of fear and uncertainty. Luke 21 verse 26 says this world will go into a state of absolute fear. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. Now, I don't blame him for all of that, but I tell you what, he hasn't greatly assisted with his policies as far as trying to bring world peace is concerned. He successfully put China out on a dangerous limb. China has become very combatant, more than they ever have in the history of that nation. They're hostile now to not just the USA, they're hostile to all the supporters of the United States of America and Australia is one of them. Hence, they're starting to cut off some of our links trade-wise. No other president in the history of the United States has ever achieved those points we put on the screen. None. And the problems just keep getting worse. So the question is, why can't world leaders solve the issues of today? Why can't they do it? What is the reason, and there's some pretty smart cookies up there on the screen, and I've even thrown in the religious leader of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis, he, he's, he's up there because he, he, re, he presides over a billion Catholic Christians. Why can't these leaders all get together and nut out a policy that would change this world for good? Well, you know, even our, and again, if this doesn't work, it doesn't matter, and it goes for a few seconds, but even our own Prime Minister, Scott Morrison um, had a couple of things to say that for some reason, I don't know why it is it doesn't want to play the video clip, but he actually got on in the G20 and he says, we need to look forward to the future so that we can give our children and grandchildren something to look forward to. That's what he said on the G20 summit. Now, Jeremiah gives us the reason as to why, as to why mankind cannot fix the problems. There it is on the screen. It is not in man, to, in man to correctly direct his own steps. He doesn't know how to direct his own pathway. Therefore, how can you expect him to control and govern a whole nation, a whole bunch of people? It's just not possible, says Jeremiah, says God through the prophet Jeremiah. You know, there's only, there was only one man that ever walked this planet who not only perf perfectly navigated his own path, but he was the only person who had, has the capability to navigate this world out of the mess it's in. And he will do it. He's promised us he will do it. That is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ actually told us, told all of mankind to actually pray for specifically to pray for something that he is going to do with this earth. Now, I know people out there in, the, in their cyber world and living rooms and lounge rooms or wherever you're watching this can't see the audience here, but can I just see a show of hands? Who knows the Lord's Prayer? Who's heard of the Lord's Prayer? Pretty well, most of us. You've heard of it, that my row of grandkids, the Lord's Prayer, you pretty well know it. Well, let's just, let's just say 
the first part of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to stop you at a certain spot, right? Because I think this is very interesting. So how does it start? It starts off with, Our Father, who art in heaven, be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth is in heaven. Stop. Don't need to go any further. Here is the greatest man to walk the planet and says, you want to pray for something? Pray for this. The coming kingdom, it will be done, not up in heaven. We don't go to heaven when we die. We are looking forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to establish the kingdom on earth so that God's will will be done here on this planet as it is up in heaven. That is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ asked us to pray for. That's simple. We don't need to have a theory, you know, a, a, a doctorate in theology to work out how simple that statement is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What is God's will? What do you reckon God's will is? Well, there it is. Very simple. God's declared purpose, his will is simple. As truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. It is far from that today. It's a horrible world in which we live. It's polluted. It's overpopulated. It's in a mess. It's diseased. It's corrupt. It's, it's greedy. It's, it's so many other things that are going on in this world that we just hate. We, we, we shudder at what we are leaving behind for our children and grandchildren to be brought up in such a chaotic world in which we live. And there's over 300 verses in the Bible that speak very clearly that Jesus is returning to this earth to set up his Father's kingdom. Not one verse, not two verses, not 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 or 100, 300. 300 verses in the Bible that say Jesus is returning to this earth. Here's one of them. It's one of my favourites in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. This is what it says. Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord because God will send Jesus Christ, whom, he says, is to remain in heaven until... So Christ, when he left this earth after his crucifixion and resurrection, he left this earth to be with his Father. He will remain in heaven until the time when all things are to be put right. Well, we're ready. <laughs> we're ready for things to be put right, I tell you. Of, of which God has given word by the mouth of his holy prophets. In other words, what the, the, we are being told here in Acts chapter 3 is that there are so many prophecies in this book that God has deliberately placed in this book that talks about Jesus remaining in heaven but then coming again to establish a kingdom. I'm looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to it? I'm sure you are because seriously, even though we live in Australia, which we are, we are really being, I think, uh, protected greatly from a lot of the world problems and, and I, I do sincerely say that we're very blessed to live in this country. It is, a, uh, it is a fool's paradise. We haven't been affected by corona like other countries in the world, most other countries in the world. Uh, we do have life relatively good here, but we are, you know, 0.1% of the population of this planet. It's, we're nothing. We're an absolute non-entity when it comes to the big global picture. 
The rest of the world is reeling from one disaster to another. And unfortunately, we're getting roped into it economically. It's going to affect us. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your prospects of getting a job if you're young. It's going to affect those that have got a job and can't maintain their payments for their houses because things are going to go really terribly um, wayward with as far as the economy is concerned. It's all going to affect everybody. But God says, when my son returns to this earth, and when he sees the condition of humanity, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what he's going to do. That's the world I want to live in. I don't, I don't want to be opening up you know, the magazines and turning on the telly and listening to the radio of all the, the terrible things going on in this world and the sad and bitterness and the tragedies that keep on going on that could have been averted had there been somebody in control that knows how to govern and govern properly. That's the world I want to live in. I want to live in this current world. It's a vibrant world. It's an exciting world. It's not based on greed or immorality or selfishness or pride. It's rather based on godliness and goodness. And trust me, I say this to a lot of the young ones here in the audience and anyone else that's out there listening. Trust me, the kingdom of God is not going to be boring. It is going to be fantastic. It's going to be full of adventure. It's going to be full of incredible things to do. And so much so that when you go and look at that quote in Revelation 21 verse 4, it goes on to tell us this. It says... That in that age when his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, builds the kingdom and all the tears are wiped away from people's eyes because there's no more sadness and tragedies and all the things that can be averted because there's someone now ruling this, this world properly, it says people will no longer want to even remember 2020. They will not want to remember the terrible things of the past because the things of the present are so Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And all peoples on the face of the earth will be absolutely satisfied with the one ruler, the Lord Jesus Christ on this planet. So you don't think it's going to happen? You don't reckon it's going to happen? We didn't think 2020 was going to happen, did we? I opened up our, our, uh, our presentation by saying that... Uh, that to you, who would have ever thought 2020 was going to happen back in December or even January? In February, we started to see some, some problems starting to escalate out of control, but it wasn't really till March that it affected Australia. We didn't think 2020 was going to happen. You don't think the, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he is. He's coming back. He is, he is very close to coming back to this earth. Make no mistake about it. And 2020 is a huge wake-up call for all of us to get ourselves ready. Get ourselves ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. A new age is going to happen. It's guaranteed and we all need to be making plans now to be ready for it. Now, I'm going to have to get Gus out here again because I don't know what he does. He fiddles around here and does something to get this last little clip but we started the evening with a negative video clip uh, of a summary of 2020 
Uh, we want to close with a positive clip of the joys that uh, await this world when Christ returns. And uh, we'll all say when that actually happens, he's here at last. So just watch this. It's the end of me. Oh